Our Father and our God, we come to you this morning to receive your life-giving word. The word this morning, Father, is tough. It deals with our major problem. It deals with our major problem with you. It deals with the major problem with what is wrong with the world today. And we pray, O oh Lord, that through your word you would convict us. We know that you are real. We know that life is all about you. Your word always goes forward, accomplishing exactly what you send it forth to do. We expect the same this day. We pray all of these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning, I come to you with bad news. And it's not just bad news, it really is the worst news. My task this morning is to talk about the fall, the fall of humanity. The worst news for every single human being on the planet today is this. We're all born fallen. We come into this world with problems with not just any old problem, we come with the worst problem. All people, regardless of their ethnic group, their family, their class, their social standing, is fallen. Everybody is fallen. Recall Pastor Kurt's sermon on New Year's Day. His subject was creation and man created pure. He emphasized that man was created pure. He, he focused on God making man and woman fearfully and wonderfully in all purity. Well, this morning, I address what happens next. And I'm going to do that this morning through a series of four questions. Four questions dealing with the fall well, the first question is this, what is significant? What's significant about God's relationship with mankind in particular at creation? And you'll see a, a, a long list of scriptures in your worship folder this morning, and that's there on purpose. I asked Sue to put them there on purpose because I want you to see this reality throughout the scriptures. What is, this, what is significant about God's relationship with mankind and creation? Well, it's this. Our relationship with God is one of authority and obedience. One of authority and total obedience. We exist, humanity exists before God as God is creator and mankind is creature. Your life makes absolutely no Sense apart from the word of God. Look with me at Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not 
eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. When you look back at Genesis chapter 1, you see God creating. And how indeed does God create? I love this part about the scripture as well. How does God create? He speaks. He not only speaks, he commands. Let there be light. And it was so. Let there be this, let there be that, and it was so. Well, here God gives Adam and later Eve parameters. Parameters. He gives man limits. He gives Adam and Eve an order for living. As long as God's command is honored, he says, honored and obeyed, Adam and Eve will live. But I want you to see, beginning with Genesis 1 and here in Genesis 2, and we'll see this throughout the rest of the scriptures, God commands what life is to be about. God defines what reality is about. He not only defines it, he not only defines it, he designs it. He explains what reality is. And here he tells Adam and Eve, if you disobey, the consequence is death. The consequence is death. Now, you know, I think it's always important to say this. This is the Christian's standard. This is the word of the Lord. God speaks to us through his word. Is not, I, don't, I don't make this up. Kurt doesn't make this up. Fred doesn't make this up. This is the word. Genesis 2 verses 15 to 17 teaches us life consists in obedience to God's word, to his every single command. His every command. As long as you do everything I've told you to do in the garden, you'll live, except don't eat of that tree. Don't eat of that tree. Well, Jesus also makes the necessity of God's word for all of humanity even clearer in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. And here Christ is out in the wilderness and he's hungry, he's been fasting, and he is confronted with the devil himself. And he comes tempting him. And Jesus responds to the devil's temptation with this. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, one of the reasons I love that is it points right back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17. Life consists in, God, in, in man obeying God's every command. You know, God designed every person to live according to his law, to his authority, to his rules, to his instructions. And you know, you can see that everywhere in the world. This country in particular, we abide by a constitution. You know, even the anarchist who says, live the way you want to live, they make that a law. 
driving down the highway on certain parts of the road. <laughs> there is an order to life. And that comes from God. Well, Adam and Eve and their descendants, right down to you and me, exist to obey God's every command. Life is about God. But what do you see when you look at the world? We don't obey. We don't obey. Well, Genesis 3 explains why the world got to be the way that we see it day after day. Our first parents, they, they disobeyed God's command and they ate of this particular tree. What was so bad about what they did was they rejected God's word of life. And what was the consequence? The consequence was the pronouncement of the curse Pain, war, pain in childbirth, pain in working, death. The Lord says to Adam, you'll eat the bread of the, you'll eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the dust. To reject the source, the giver and the sustainer of life means death. It means death. To look into the face of the one who fashioned humanity from the dust of the ground and to say, no, thank you. I won't be having life today means death. Our parents fail from paradise. Well, the second question that I want us to see this morning is, well, what in the world does this have to do with you and me? I alluded to it just a little. I want to make it more explicit. What does this have to do with you and me? All men and women, all men and women, boys and girls, are born into the world in sin. We are fallen from day one, fallen creatures. Well, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and I'm going to read verses, I'm going to read verse 22, and it's just the first part of verse 22 that I want you to see in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 22, a declaration, for as in Adam all what? Die. In Adam all die. Adam the first parent. Adam the representative of the entire human race. In Adam, the apostle Paul says, everybody dies. That's not good news. That's not good news. That's you. That's me. That's our children. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, the apostle there says, dealing with the same subject of sin, he says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. No one is exempt. No one is exempt. In Adam, we all die. The stain of sin is in every single one of us, even our beautiful young little babies, newly born into the world. They're born fallen. Now, there are people who don't believe this. There are people who think we are absolutely bonkers for believing such truth. Well, how does the Bible define sin? What is sin? What is it? What is sin? Well, it defines it in two ways. One, sin is missing the mark of the standard of God's glory. 
It's like putting a bullseye right back here in the wall and commanding every one of you, hit the center perfectly every single time. I want you to hit it 500 times and you miss every single time. God commands that humanity live in accordance to his instructions and we don't. We miss it every single time, demanding perfection and we come up short all the time. The second way it is defined is lawlessness. The Greek word there is anomia, lawlessness. I heard a man say a long time ago and thinking about it, he said he was doing some counseling with a brother and it was a pretty deep, uh, pretty rough sin. All sin is rough, but it was a pretty rough sin. He said, why did you do it? And he said, I don't know. He said, it's almost insanity. Lawlessness, insanity. The condition, the state of rebellion against what is right, what is holy, according to God and God's standard. Well, you all, we can see the reality of the fall. We can see the reality of sin all around us every single day. Just this past week, I was going to leave to go get some lunch, and someone informed me, don't go over to the Wheaton Mall. I said, why? Someone just got killed over there. You see the reality of sin every single day. Evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, pornography. The whole reason of doing the mini-mester is pornography is indeed a crisis in our country. Prostitution, divorce, theft, lying, envy, gossip, war, broken families, broken relationships, poverty, idolatry, selfishness. And get this. When your child disobeys what you tell them to do, that is sin. If you've instructed them in what is right and they disobey, the Bible says that is sin. Jesus, in John chapter 3, verse 19, he makes this more evident. I'll put it that way. He makes it clear. Listen to this. He says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Have you ever loved darkness? Have you ever loved darkness in the secret places of your life? Nobody else human could watch. Have you ever loved darkness when your parents weren't looking when your wife wasn't looking when your husband wasn't looking have you adored what destroys the soul every one of us has every single one of us well the third question what is the consequence for sin there's a consequence what's the consequence for our sin for our fallenness death and judgment Death and judgment. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 declares, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Do you know how hard it is to walk down behind the casket of your loved ones on the way to the graveyard? 
I've walked behind many of my relatives that I have loved dearly, who were amazing, amazing teachers to me, had profound impacts on my life. I watched time pass. I watched the reality of sin in the world, God's curse of sin on humanity as a whole, overtake them. Alive one day, gone the next. Every one of us, every single one of us, and I, you know, I told you this is tough, but it's reality. Every single one of us will die. Every one of us. And yet there's more. Life does not end at the grave, it goes on. Every human being will be judged by God. Here, Romans 14, verses 10 to 12, Paul is talking here yet again, teaching the church at Rome. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? And this is what I want you to see. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I can remember years ago, something I had done, and uh, my mother found out about it. And uh, she said, don't you know that one day you're going to have to give an account to God? And I thought, wait a minute. Man, just don't be so hard on me. <laughs> but as I have lived, and as I've continued to study the word, the Holy Spirit has impressed upon me more and more and more, you are going to give an account one day. You are indeed going to give an account one day, and you will give an account one day. And what's the point of that? Why am I telling you all this today? Well, for this reason, and I can't shout it loud enough, life matters. Life matters. Living matters. How you live matters. How your children live matters to God. How your unbelieving neighbors live matters to God. God will conclude time and history with judgment. It's very sobering. Very sobering. You think, here is God, holy, righteous, perfect. He creates humanity to live in relationship with him. He gives us exactly what we need to live. But he tells us we're creatures. And we have to live under authority. And he says, if you disobey this command, death is your reward. Well, fourth question, what hope do you have? What hope do I have? Is there a way out of this particular condition? Because we're ruined. What in the world shall we do? And you know, that table right there, it tells you every single Sunday. That table right there preaches a new reality. A new reality in the Lord Jesus Christ Listen to Acts chapter 4, verse 12. Peter is preaching. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must 
be saved. What does that word salvation mean? It means there's no other deliverance. There's no other one to rescue. No other than Jesus. No other than the Christ to rescue you from ruination, to deliver you out of a love affair with darkness. Well, I've, I've given you bad news this morning of the human condition in our relationship to God as sinners, but there's one more piece of news I have to give you. There's one more piece of news, and it's, it's still difficult. The destiny of every person who dies in the condition of sinner. You die in the condition of sinner, meaning you've never repented. And I'm not going to talk a lot about, I can't talk about repentance this week because Kurt's going to deal with that next week. He's going to give us good news next week. <laughs> the destiny of every person who dies in the condition of sinner is eternal, everlasting punishment and condemnation. The eternal consequence for rejecting God, for rejecting God's word, for rejecting his command, his authority, his Christ, is perpetual punishment with no escape. That's something you don't hear about every day. Something you don't see on TV. You don't see on the movies. But I say it this morning because here we are gathered, the assembly of God's people, and there may be people here who do not believe in God yet. We're praying for you. I want you to think about this this week in particular. The destiny of those walking by you on the sidewalk. The people driving by you in your cars. The people you work with. Family members even in your own household. They have an eternal destiny. And I want you to remember Jesus saves sinners. Jesus saves sinners. Kurt will address us next week from the subject of redemption. It's very good news. But I want you to think this week, be mindful. You confess Jesus as your savior. And there are people all around you who don't know him. And very destiny, as of right now, apart from Christ, is eternal condemnation. Would you pray with me? O oh Lord, our Lord, indeed, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You fashioned the world and everything in it for your glory. Father, this is a tough word. But the Bible teaches that this is reality. And you are calling a people to yourself out of this darkness to live in the light of the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would use us Use us in this world to shine and reflect the reality of our triune God, 
tell people sin is real and there's a consequence for it. But God has provided the Savior. Lord, we thank you. Use us, we pray, this week. In indeed your kingdom work, we pray. In Christ's name, amen.